Welcome Center. If not, see myself or see Peggy Jones after service today, and we'll get you one. But we would love to have as many junior high students as possible travel with us this summer to Ohio for the mission trip. Tonight, if you're not doing anything at 5.30 p.m., we have a very special pray for your children, pray for your grandchildren time planned here in the sanctuary. Many people have asked me, what's the agenda? We're going to pray. That's the agenda. We're going to pray for the next generation. So I hope you'll come out and uh, join us at 5.30 tonight. And then next week, the 24th at 10.40 p.m., we do have, 10.40 a.m., excuse me, we have a special meeting for sponsors and parents of students that are going to Superstart the following weekend. It's really important that we have as many people as possible at that meeting. We are smack dab in the middle of our series, Journeying Through the Gospel of John, Looking at the I Am Statements of Jesus. We started on January 13th with kind of an overview, and we've made our way through the different statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. This week we're looking at I am the good shepherd. Still to come in weeks following, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. You are the branches. Just like with the I am the light of the world messages. That was kind of a two-part message because Jesus shared that statement both in John chapter 8 and John chapter 9. Just like that was kind of a a two-part message in the midst of a long series. Today is part two of kind of a a mini-series in the midst of a longer series. In John chapter 10, Jesus says two things about himself. Last week we studied how he said, I am the gate. Some translations may say, I am the door. The idea being that many people, many plans are out there today that offer the promise of life. But Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the path to the Father in heaven. And Jesus' offer to bring us to the Father, this is a, a personal offer that brings us life and life to the full. Um, let's dive right in this morning. I, I, I want to give you the big idea of the message today. The big idea is simply this, Jesus is the good shepherd. We're going to talk a lot about what's it mean to be a good shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. So let's jump to John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 11 through 19 together at this time. John 10, beginning with verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man who runs away because he is the hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father, and note verse 19, at these words, the Jews were again divided. Well, well, do you hear the imagery screaming from the pages of God's word? The image of a, a shepherd and his flock? It's a picture that 
we, we really can't get out of our minds and out of our hearts. And if you're a student of God's Word, you heard this morning Psalm 23 shared earlier, it's a, it's a paradigm, it's, it's a picture that we see working its way all the way through the Old Testament up to this time when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now understand, I don't want you this morning to visualize when you think of a good shepherd in the flock. I don't want you to think of a movie like, say, City Slickers. I love the movie City Slickers. Billy Crystal, the cowboys with their whips, driving the cattle where they don't want to go. That's a bad picture. That's a bad image. That's a Western concept of shepherding and herding and leading a flock. Instead, this morning, you need to understand that the Eastern world, the image that we see from God's Word, that's very first century world-like, where the shepherd leads by example, where the shepherd follows the flock, and, and, and the flock is with the shepherd and loves the shepherd. And it's with that context in mind that I want to dive in and really answer the question this morning, why is the good shepherd so good? What's so good about the good shepherd? And I hope that that these teaching points will be more than just an intellectual exercise, but you will begin to understand what is really unique about Jesus Christ, the difference maker in our lives today. And the first reason that the good shepherd is so good, and our text tells us this, is because the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. You look at the text, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd is willing to die for the flock. Simply put, Jesus is telling his disciples here and all those who follow after him, I will die for you. And that's really countercultural if you think about it. It's really countercultural. In our world today, we take the very most important people and we protect them at all costs. And rightfully so. There are leaders in many ways. Jesus is saying, I love you so much, I will die for you, I'm going to die for you. So why will the good shepherd lay down his life for the flock first? Because the good shepherd loves his flock. The good shepherd loves his flock. Jesus Christ came to this world first and foremost because he loves you and because he loves me. I love that chorus. We sing it several times a year. Oh, how He loves you and me. Thursday was Valentine's Day. I'm sure if I had an open mic morning, the the men of first service could come up and just share how you swept your Valentines off their feet on Thursday, and you just had an incredibly romantic evening and all kinds of gifts and presents and dinners. And I, I won't do that today for time's sake. Um, I spent my Valentine's night at a girls' basketball game serving as a public address announcer. So I'm not giving anybody any tips on romance or how to go down that road this morning. But understand, first and foremost, if your picture of true love is a box of chocolates, or your picture of true love is a vase of roses, or your picture of true love is a dinner with with your significant other at at her favorite restaurant or his favorite restaurant, you're missing agape love. You're missing the greatness of the love that Jesus Christ embodied. 
And it's a love we can never lose sight of. Later in the Gospel of John in chapter 15, Jesus tells us about this greater love. He says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Karl Barth, the great 20th century theologian, maybe the greatest theologian of the 20th century, on his deathbed was asked, what's the greatest theological statement you've ever heard? Summarize for us the greatest statement about theology, about God, that you've ever heard. And these were his words, Jesus loves me, this I know, for my Bible tells me so. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me passionately. Second reason that we know the good shepherd is so good is because the good shepherd will save his flock no matter what. He's willing to save his flock. Look way down at verse 18, the end of our text that we're studying today. Here's what Jesus says. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This love that Jesus has for you and for me results in his desire to save us. He wants to save us. And a real problem in the first century world, with a flock, was the danger of predators that that would abound. Very, very real risk. So that the shepherd was on duty pretty much 24-7. And the shepherd would have to, to sleep with the flock. The shepherd had no downtime in many ways. Because he couldn't be gone for even an hour. A predator might might, might, might sick the flock and, and kill one or two or three or more of them in many ways. Do you remember when we've studied through the life of David? This young shepherd boy making the case to King Saul why he should be able to go and he should be able to fight. What did he say? Do you remember? He said, I've been with the flock. And when a bear comes or when a lion comes, I've had to fend them off. Can you imagine having to fight a lion? Can you imagine having to fight a bear? I mean, I'm sure sheep are awesome and all of that. If that's me, I'm out of there. I just got to tell you. I see a bear. I see a lion. Bye-bye. It's time for a new career. But the good shepherd is willing to save his flock no matter what. And we'll get back to that later in the message today. Number one, the good shepherd is so good. Because he loves us. Number two, the good shepherd is so good because the good shepherd has a personal relationship with his sheep. He has a personal relationship with his sheep. Verses 14 and 15 read like this. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my sheep. My sheep know me is the language that Jesus uses. The point is obvious. Jesus wants to, Jesus desires to have a personal relationship with his flock. Uh, Unfortunately today, studies show us that younger generations, I'm going to say 18 to 30, 18 to 35, many of these young adults have a real distrust of institutions. And one of the institutions that this younger generation struggles with is is the church. It's religion in many ways. There's a lot of cynicism. There's a lot of skepticism that is out there. The concept, the idea that they have, many of them, not all of them, 
but many of them have the idea that the church just wants my money. The church just wants to use me. And that the institution of the church, the, the institution of religion, cannot be trusted. And I would say to you that one of the great aspects of Christianity is that it's not about being religious. It's not about doing the different tenets of a religion. At the very core of Christianity is this idea of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And unfortunately today, many people have never really bought into that concept that I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples here. It's not about doing. It's about being. Think for just a moment when there's a, a, a person that comes forward and they want to become a Christ follower. They want to be a Christian and they want to be baptized. We have them stand before the church and we have them repeat this statement. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And I accept him as my Lord and my personal savior. That's relationship language. Relationship. And if you don't know the good shepherd, if you find yourself doing a bunch of religious things, but you don't have a relationship with the good shepherd, you are missing out. Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Lesson number three this morning, the good shepherd is so good because the good shepherd has an extraordinary commitment to a sheep. It's extraordinary. It's not an average commitment. My guess is in the first century world, you had some shepherds that were kind of, you know, a cut above, and you had some very average shepherds, and you probably had just some not very good at all shepherds. Guys like me, that when the bear comes, they're out of there in many ways. Just some very average, average guys. And, and Jesus, in his language here in John chapter 10, reminds us that he has an extraordinary commitment to his flock. Look at verses 12 and 13. It says, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, <coughs> he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Last week, in the first part of John chapter 10, Jesus showed a contrast between the, two shep the true shepherd and, and the sheep pen and those who want to sneak in. And the words that were used were thieves and robbers and strangers. And this week, Jesus continues this contrast. But this time, the image is the good shepherd and the hired hand, the, the assistant, the helper. And Jesus says, I am different than the hired hand. I am different than the assistant. Because when trouble comes, the hired hand is out of here. The assistant is gone. He's not going to risk his life. He's not going to put his own neck on the line. But the good shepherd, what will he do? The good shepherd will protect the flock to the point of risking his own life. That's why I can't drive home enough this morning how important it is that not only you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but that you have put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. I hear tragic stories, tragic illustrations, tragic accounts all the time, unfortunately, 
of religious leaders who crash and burn one way or another, maybe morally, maybe from an integrity standpoint, something happens and, 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 and they fail in a miserable, miserable way. And that's a tragedy in itself. But the greater tragedy is the stories of people who eventually walk away from the faith altogether because they put their faith, their hope, their trust in this human leader. And, and I'll just, I'll tell you, human leaders will fail you. I will fail you. The leadership of this church will fail you. Not on purpose, not intentionally, but because we're humans. We fall short of the glory of God. And so put your hope in the Good Shepherd. Put your hope in Jesus Christ, who has an extraordinary commitment to his flock. Put your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the true Good Shepherd. And then finally, lesson number four this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Because the Good Shepherd has an inclusive approach to other sheep, he is truly a Good Shepherd. Because he has an inclusive approach to the other sheep. If you were reading with me before, you probably were a little puzzled when we heard the words of Jesus in verse 16. Here's what it says. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And I think it's it's really easy just to skip over that. We like talking about Jesus as the good shepherd, and we like talking about how he's going to save us, and he loves us, and he's going to die for us, and he has an extraordinary commitment to us. But don't miss the point of what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 10, verse 16. He's saying that the good shepherd has an inclusive approach to other sheep. The NIV application commentary had a great paragraph on what Jesus is trying to say here. And I want to just share with you the words of Gary Birch. Here's what he says. The picture that we have up to this point consists of a sheepfold. And it's filled with animals and Jesus, the good shepherd, calling his own sheep from this fold with his voice. And he writes, this flock constitutes his sheep, his followers. Those who do not know his voice presumably refers to the unbelieving of that day, probably unbelieving Jews from which Jesus' followers have come. However, Jesus says, there are other sheep that do not come from this sheepfold. He said if they come from a different fold, they are probably outside Judaism. And he says Jesus is referring to Gentiles. They too will eventually recognize Jesus' voice, and many will choose to follow him, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. He writes, this is Jesus' vision for the unity of the church, Jewish believers and Gentile believers coming together, living together under Christ's leadership. For the first time, Jesus is anticipating in detail the wider scope of his ministry to literally reach the entire world. And he writes, Jesus shares much more about it in John chapter 17. Understand this morning, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, has an inclusive approach to other sheep. John three sixteen. God so loved the world he gave his one and only son that 
whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you remember the account of Zacchaeus, the wee little man in Luke chapter 19? Zacchaeus was a slime dog. Zacchaeus was the scum of the day. People hated him. They hated his guts. And after Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm going to your house today. Here's how that account ends. Jesus says in verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so when I look around on Sunday morning, I'm really glad that you're here. I think it's awesome that First Christian Church is your church. And if you're a visitor, we'd love to have you continue to worship with us. But we should never be content with where we are as the church. In our community right now, Clinton, Illinois, there are thousands of people that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As we are singing praise the Lord, there are people waking up, hungover, lost in their world. And maybe, just maybe, you are the person that can be that beacon of light. You are the person that can help introduce them to Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd So what do we do with all of this? We've spent six weeks now looking at the Gospel of John and these I am statements. Jesus, I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. What do we do with all of this? The Apostle Paul really helps us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 by telling us what is of first importance. And if you're asleep right now, wake up, because this is really important for you to grasp a hold of. This is what is of first importance, of most importance, according to the Apostle Paul, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. He was buried, and on the third day, raised to life. But this morning, I want us to focus on the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ died for you for me. Can you imagine a worldly leader of prominence today willingly dying for the people that that he leads? It wouldn't happen. It's unheard of. And Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross because you're a sinner, because I'm a sinner, because we fall short of the glory of God. And so the bottom line this morning from John chapter 10 is this, you need a relationship with the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that it's ideal if you have a relationship with the good shepherd. I'm not saying that it's preferable if you have a relationship with the good shepherd. Jesus screams in our text today, you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the true good shepherd. Verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Now our text doesn't end with verse 18. It continues on in verse 19. And here's what it says. At these words, the Jews were divided again. And that's really been our picture As we've journeyed through John, division. When he healed the man born blind, some said, that's incredible. I want to follow after him. And some said, he's a fraud. In John chapter 10, there's a mixed reaction to Jesus. 
next week, if, if you have to be at one Sunday of this series more than any other, next week you do not want to miss. We're going to look at the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. It might be the most captivating chapter prior to the crucifixion and resurrection in all of the Gospel of John. But the funny thing is, many people are won over and many people are saying, I still just don't know. And when I think about that verse 19, at these words, the Jews were divided again, it really reminds me of 2013. It reminds me of our world. It reminds me of our culture. Many people today will get up early, come to church, and, and sing with all their heart, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Savior. I, I surrender all. Oh, how he loves you and me. And there are many people that will wake today and Jesus is a punchline to a joke they heard last night. Or Jesus is their favorite cuss word that they use when something doesn't go right. And so I leave you this morning with this question. Who's Jesus to you? You need a Lord. You need a Savior. You need a relationship with the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for today, and thank you for just this, this powerful text from John chapter 10, and we thank you so much for Jesus Christ, your son, the fact that he willingly died on the cross because we are sinners, to bring us hope, to bring us hope that surpasses any, any human hope or victory that, that could ever be achieved. We thank you so much for your grace the grace that you pour down upon us. We thank you that you love us so much that you allowed your perfect son Jesus to go to the cross so we can have hope. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It is uh, invitation time as it is every Sunday here at our church. And if you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, we invite you to come forward as this song is being sung. And if you're in need of prayer this morning, Kent Hickerson's in the back. He'd love to pray for you. I'm up front. I would love to pray for you as we stand together and Jim leads us in our song of commitment.